In this episode of The Ziggler Show, I ask our audience, for your business, do you need increased marketing exposure to attract more prospects or better sales conversion with the prospects you are already attracting? People responded with needs for one or the other or both, of course. The discussion Tom Ziegler and I brought up was sequentially, however, we need to ensure our sales conversions up to par before we adequately go to market. But then we do get into some key principles for marketing to your specific demographic and giving more focus to qualified prospects, defining qualified prospects who are relevant to buy over just generating big numbers of lame prospects you must filter through. And Tom talks about the process to do so. So you're going to hear some great counsel on finding the prospects most suited to you that you can then go forth and sell to. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions that matter regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. There are endless podcasts that will entertain and inform you. My goal is to educate and equip you. This is The Ziggler Show, ranked number two in all-time career podcasts and Apple podcasts, and our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. My Motive podcast is devoted to helping you know what you authentically want by understanding why you really want it, which is made clear by knowing what you truly value. In episode 29, I brought my dad, Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love fame, onto the show to discuss the motives of later in age that provide fulfillment. This was not a retirement focus so much as just asking how motives help and hurt us in the latter years. What came up, however, was the profound value of having work you don't want to retire from as the primary motive objective. That's episode 29 of the Motive Podcast. My True Life Podcast is aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body and mind can support your desires in life. In episode 71, I bring you possibly the number one tactic for healing anything you have going wrong. No joke, but it's the hardest pill to swallow ever, and most would rather be ill than do it. It's called prolonged fasting, not eating food. Well, how long? Listen to episode 71 of the True Life Podcast. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts by searching Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit Ziggler.com slash coach and connect with Tom Ziggler about becoming a Ziggler coach. Tom, in putting this question out about leads and marketing, do they need more people coming in or just to sell the people they've got? Of course, a lot of people just said both. Uh, Janice said a little bit of both, if I'm being honest. Matt said... Uh, I really need both. I don't have enough people and those that I do have, I do pretty well with, but can sure uh, do better with sales conversion as well. He actually is a, or provides basketball coaching and training programs. And then Jessica Smith Moyer, one of the Ziegler legacy certified coaches. Now she is, you know, has her business has a brick and mortar fitness center in essence that she does. Of course, during COVID, she's been doing that remotely, but I think she has people back in there, but she has that. But then of course, she's got a new book out and she is doing just coaching, I think life coaching uh, in general. So if we take that, so I, I thought in that, you know, especially if you've got a new business, you need 
both. And so the temptation is to say, okay, first off is, is marketing. How are we going to go out there and get leads? And while that's valid, of course, the minute you get that first lead, and it could be today at the grocery store or tonight at a social event or whatever, how are you going to sell it? And so, it, you know, to me, it brought back, and we've got to begin by, of course, understanding sales. Now we could talk for hours, of course, on understanding sales. And of course, Secrets of Closing the Sale, one of the best books ever written on it by your father, uh, you know, by Zig. Now, obviously, there's, you know, the tenets of sales have stayed the same to some degree, but we have different methodologies today when we've got so much online and and whatnot. Um, we just recently did a show with David, David Horsager on trust, and that's, of course, paramount with any sales today. But I think let's just hit it kind of at a high level, 10,000 foot level of sales. And depending on what your product or service is, at some point, you're going to have somebody that's going to say, hey, I'm interested. And you've got to be able to convert them. And that's classic sales. So I think a lot of people don't relate to it these days because they think, oh, I'm just going to do that on my website. Um, so th- I know it's a big, broad stroke there, Tom, but on that, on saying, okay, are you, do you know, how do you set people up to even address the style of sales that they're going, of conversion they're going to need to do based on, I guess, auditing what type of business, what product or service they have? That's, that's a huge spectrum. Uh, you know, so many different ways you could approach it in our small business world and the inner circle with Howard Partridge. Uh, we say that marketing is what you do to attract prospects to your business. And then sales is how you convert those prospects to customers. And if you're a gung-ho entrepreneur, business owner, uh, salesperson, your idea, usually when you begin the, the life of a, of a lead, is somebody who has a huge need and they're ready to buy. And all you got to do is say, it's, it's $9.95 and they sign up. Yeah. Right. And so that's where we've got to understand the difference between interest and a qualified prospect. In that scenario, there's always a relationship building time frame. I mean, one of the things that I love about the Ziegler Show podcast is we will have people who've been listening to it for years who have never actually made it physically onto the Ziegler Corporation list. You know, they haven't sent us an email saying, send me some free stuff, or they've never bought something. And then they call up and they say, hey, I'm really interested in this program and I just want to sign up. And so we think, you know, the the easy thinking is, golly, they just, they just really wanted it. And so they said, yes, no, what happened was, is there was two years of relationship building that happened prior to that. Uh, Years ago, I went through a program and this program uh, was based on this research study. And the top question in the research study was this, they they analyzed the top 5% in sales from all different industries. And so the top 5%, they make two or three or four or five times the average in that industry. And so they, they tried to, to narrow it down and say, well, what does the top 5% do that nobody else does? So here's the rocket science. So if you're listening to this right now and you want to 
pull the car over and, and get your pen out and write this or whatever you're doing. Here it is. Here's the rocket science from that study. The top 5% of salespeople make more sales because they do more presentations to qualified prospects. Now, isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> Basic math. Now, here's where it gets interesting. What is a presentation and what's a qualified prospect? And this is where we get in trouble is we think we just had a sales presentation when really all we had was a conversation. We never uncovered the need. We never discovered what their goals were. We didn't build relationship on common ground. We didn't ask uh what it was costing them currently not to do anything. We didn't ask if they had, uh, you know, if they were interested in moving forward right away. We didn't do any of the things that you do in a proper presentation. We never had time to overcome objections because we never asked them to invest. Yeah. And then what's a qualified prospect? Well, the top 5% of salespeople, they don't spend 45 minutes with an unqualified prospect because time, that's what we're all, that we all have the same amount of time. And so what, what great salespeople do is they understand how to qualify people to find out what they're interested in. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, they ignore people and who aren't qualified or whatever. It means that they're asking questions in their presentation that that might qualify them for a second or a third tier type offer versus the big thing that they showed their initial interest in because sometimes people aren't ready. So I don't know if I answered. No, that was that was great. I want to hit on a couple of things there. And and, and one is, well, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna come back to that. The qualified I want the qualified leads. I'll come back to that. But you know one reality, I think for most people listening to this show, few of them are out there selling a commodity product, what I'm going to call a commodity product, meaning you've got something on Amazon and you're selling, trying to beat everybody at price. I mean, whatever product or service you actually have. Yeah. I would recommend secrets of closing the sale to figure out when somebody is interested, how to qualify them and actually how to sell them based on what your product specifically product or service is. I'm going to say that most of the people though, listening to the Ziegler show have what I'm going to call premium products. They have something that they sell that they believe is better. It's higher quality. It's higher priced. It's more relational. We do have just like uh, Jessica, we've got a lot of people who are selling themselves to a high degree. If you're coaching, selling coaching, consulting, counseling, even you are a hundred percent selling yourself. You are the product. So that's the height of that. But even if you've got a big ticket price, you're selling what you said, trust and rapport. And I do agree, Tom, we are in such again in this information age. Well, let's just take podcasting specifically. I mean, podcasters are out there to make a buck. Uh, not just to make a buck, but I mean, they got to be paid. They're not out there, out there to spend all their day and do it free. I spend way too much time doing these shows to do it for free. So you're going to sell products, which is why we're always promoting uh, Ziggler coaching and Ziggler uh, events and whatnot. And then we of course have advertisers that nobody's going to listen to if they don't like and trust the show and tune in. And so, yeah, building that relationship, I do feel like with the premium product, that's got to be number one. Building the relationship with by proxy is trust and rapport so that, yeah, what you said, 
when somebody shows up, that's already there. So if somebody's been listening, if you listen to X amount of shows, you're not going to do that unless you already say, ah, oh, you know, I kind of like them. I like how they talk. I like their, their conversations. I like the character that I sense from them. So you've got trust and rapport. Then when you come along with that product or service that fits, then as you said, they're just going to readily be uh, there to buy. But man, we invested a lot of time and a lot of money. So looking at everybody there, how can they go out there and begin building that relationship. And that is where I'm about to record a show. Actually, it'll be the one uh, that happened just prior to this one on podcasting specifically, but that, you know, same thing with book writing, we've done them on speaking and presentations and whatnot. It's all a way to build relationships and that's gotta be top of the list. And it really then leads into leads, Tom. And you, you know, you mentioned that I really appreciate what Jennifer Meisel said. She said, I need better sales conversion because in my opinion, uh, that's been the issue with every sales job I've worked. It's so easy. Here's the quote. It's so easy to get tons of leads that are a waste of time. I'd rather spend more time converting legitimate leads. So let's hit that because we are in this online age. If you have a car lot and you are selling Porsches, I pretty much figure anybody who pulls up and gets out of their car looking at the cars there is a legitimate lead. Otherwise, they would know better than to pull onto the Porsche uh, parking lot. And so you're going to assume that. However, we over here in the internet world, and my gosh, the amount of effort to have you know funnels and whatever and just get big numbers of people that often are not qualified. They have, there's no, they have no business buying that. Now, you know, we run the numbers through, but we deal with a lot of illegitimate leads that are a gigantic waste of time. But if we can put those all into a funnel of communication, Tom, like that, I'm happy to get us, you know, here's the Ziggler show and get that in front of a million people. The ones who care are going to listen, tune in, and then we have built relationships. But I think that we're at a increasingly high of junk leads because we have so much, especially internet marketing that really is, it doesn't do a great job of filtering. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode on sales and marketing. Next, Tom talks about the necessity to get truly qualified buyers and having a system for doing so. Here are some great products and services, then we'll be right back to it. Of course, it would be great to start a business with millions of customers already on your website, but that is what Amazon FBA or Fulfillment by Amazon offers. FBA is a program that Amazon started where they lend their entire fulfillment network to their sellers. That means they pick, pack, and ship your products, handle returns, and customer service. Amazon FBA is for anyone wanting to start a business. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build, and grow a business on Amazon. Helium 10 has served over 1 million users worldwide. They track over 2 billion products on Amazon, and Helium 10 has over 30 tools to help you research, start, and manage your business on Amazon. You can learn the right way to sell on Amazon from the start. Learn everything you need to know about an Amazon business from how to find a product, create a listing, grow your sales, and more. A big lesson 
that I learned in online business is the power of continuity, meaning if you're selling and shipping products, nobody does it more than Amazon, so their structure is what people trust. If you use Helium 10, you not only harness their help and customers, but the trust that millions of people have with them in Amazon. You can start your own journey and build your business on Amazon today. Helium 10 has a really stout offer for you. Ziggler listeners get 50% off their first month of Helium 10 Platinum when you go to helium10.com. That's the number one and zero. And use the code Ziggler when you check out. Again, helium1010.com and use the code Ziggler. It's changed so much over the years. Uh, when, when we when websites first became big and hot and we created our website and then we started sending out our weekly newsletter. Gosh, we'd put an ad in our newsletter for one of our products and people would just buy it. I mean, it was unbelievable. We thought, man, this is amazing. And then that started to dry up. Uh, and then we did different things and it would start, you know, it worked for a while and then it would dry up. But let me, let me just, if you're selling a premium product, but you're attracting people uh, who really aren't qualified buyers for it. That was our challenge, right? And so we decided to do a system. Now, for those who are building a business, the system is the key. The, you know, Howard Partridge talks about it a lot with our, with our group of, of uh, business owners. And that is that a business owner spend a lot of money, whatever type of business it is, generating a, customer and then they don't ever talk to them again. And so the first thing that you can do to nurture leads, which may not be that good or may not be ready or, or whatever is offer them something of value that they want that can serve them right then. That's digital. doesn't cost you anything that gets them on your list and then you set a pattern of reaching out to them. That could be once a week, every two weeks, once a month, but they need to know you're there. And I have a story around this that Howard tells, and he was consulting with a restaurant and he was looking at their books and it was like, you know, three months of break, even uh, six months or <clears throat> seven months of losing money one month of making a lot of money and then one or two months of barely making a little bit of money. And he goes, what do y'all do in that one month? And they go, Oh, that's the month where we send out the, the uh, postcard invitation. And so here they were, their mindset was we got to save everything for this one event that's going to spike our sales. And he's looking at it like, you know what, what if you just did two of those a year instead of one, what would happen? And so that, that simple story is saying that a lot of times we look at a lead as somebody who's going to buy now rather than how can I add value to them over time so that trust gets built. Yeah. Now we talked about trust earlier and, and Seth Godin in a conversation I had with him, he said his goal is to scale trust in every interaction. So that could be face-to-face, -face, on the phone, uh, a newsletter that he sends out, a podcast they hear him on, they hear him speak. But he wants every encounter with someone to build trust, not take away from it. And so what does that mean? It means that when we spam people or we send them things they don't want or don't yeah. apply to them because they're not qualified, 
we're eroding trust because we're telling them we don't know who you are and we're hoping and praying. So in the book, Secrets of Closing the Sale, dad said there are five reasons that people don't buy. No need, no want, no hurry, no money, and no trust. And the biggest of these is trust. And so what Seth said was, hey, if I can build trust with my, with my people, with my list, with my followers, then the hard part's done. All I've got to do is figure out what it is that will serve them. And when I offer it to them, if it's a fit, they'll buy it because the trust is already there. And so we need to look at marketing as a trust building activity more than a lead qualifying activity. Because if we build trust, they'll stick around. So in this process of, of sales, you know, we, so what does that mean? Well, we teach systems. It's very, very difficult to scale anything without a system. And so if you think you're going to personally reach out one-on-one -on -one to everybody who's given you their business card or sent you their email address, that's not going to happen. That's why you've got to create these engines, whether it's a you know, constant contact or infusion software, whatever you use, keep, I guess is what it's called now, uh, whatever you choose to use, you've got to, you've got to build a system. But remember, your goal is to build trust. So on the premium end of what we do, we invite people to webinars on Ziegler coaching or become a Ziegler speaker and trainer where we certify and license you to carry our material out. And we, we get you excited about everything it'll do. We feed you content that'll make you a better person. Uh, even if you decide to take no action, you're glad that you came to that webinar. And then at the end we say, hey, we'd like to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. And that's where we set up that strategy session, that conversation. And so this to me is a big challenge that's happened. Technology has become a crutch for a lot of people who believe that I'd rather play the numbers game and not have a conversation. It's passive, yeah. Yeah, rather than using technology to educate and build trust so that you can have a richer conversation that becomes a presentation naturally so that you can ask them to join. And if you do that right, even if they say no in, the, in, that, in that conversation, it's not a, well, gosh, I'm so sorry, and they're gone forever. It's they've had a great experience. They've learned something about themselves and so on. And, and then because it, a, a lead source was working last week, doesn't mean it's going to work this week. Yeah. So you've got to have tracking and measurability of the dollars that you're investing into the leads that you're generating. Uh, if you, I look at leads this way, especially in a premium uh, situation, don't get more leads than you can reach out to on the phone with. Yeah, yeah that's counterintuitive to so much online these days. Yeah, and the reason for that is they go stale so quickly. 
they just go stale very quickly. So if you if you hit a home run and you get a ton of leads, uh, man, get busy and start calling those leads or, or inviting them to something where you can get them in an educational process. So so that's that's a little bit on what we do. But remember, uh, one of our and I'll I'll mention his name. Steve Krivda is one of our coaches. And he told me about as he was building his coaching practice, which is very successful, he, he you know, s- struggled and had some wins and then, then some change of direction, some more wins, you know, but it's, it's a journey, right? It, whatever business you're building, you're going to have stops and starts. And then he said he hit the season where it was like every day his bank account went up and up and up. In other words, everything he had sown, he was starting to reap. And he just said, I got giddy. He said, I'd be looking at the bank account and it's up and up. And I watched that happen for 90 days and then it shut off. And for 90 days, he got no new business. And then he had to get inside of his head and go, what's going on? And that's when he realized he started showing up to see if he could make the bank account go up instead of serving the people that he was talking to. And as soon as he flipped back to serving the people, the business end of it took care of itself. Well, and there's the heart of Ziegler sales right there, as this is a, a, a relationship. And I want to give a couple of resources, the things that you said. And one, just that having a system, you know, know that we do so much, especially early on, entrepreneurship of just shotgunning different things. I'm going to try some ads here. I'm going to try some speaking here. I'm going to try this, whatever, and not having a concise system that we can measure. My favorite way of doing that, Tom, no matter what industry product service I'm dealing with, is just go figure out who's knocking it out of the park and model them. I mean, it sounds really elementary, but it's amazing how often we don't do that. And there have been times in my past where I thought, hey, I'm smart. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do it my new way. And I ended up not doing as well as I wanted to and coming back and modeling what somebody's doing. So, so often I will do that. Who's knocking out of the park? How are they doing? It's amazing how often a lot of those folks will just tell you. They know competitions out there. They're not, they're not hiding anything. They're using something that somebody else is using already anyways. And they say, hey, here's how I'm using it. Now you still have to do your own flavor and build your trust in your unique way but to create a system. So modeling after other people. Uh, But you also started off there, Tom, talking about in referencing the people that you have, the most profitable person to sell to is somebody you've already sold to. And I'm going to give some old classics because they're still some of my favorites. Uh, Nice uh, Texan near you is Carl Sewell, uh, owner of what used to be Sewell Cadillac. Now, who knows? I don't know what all he owns, but he wrote a book. What is it? It's everything. He's got Lexus and Infinity and Cadillac, and it's like everything. I'm not surprised. And the guy wrote the book, Customers for Life. Uh, who I have no idea how long, 30 years ago, more than that. I don't know. And I cut my marketing teeth on that. And it's one of those you read and you go, my gosh, why doesn't every single car dealership in America do it this way? It's irrefutable. He knocked it out of the park. I don't know, but they don't. But Carl still is. And yeah, I, I imagine he owns half of Texas at this point. Customers for Life, incredible book. And part of that is by making them raving fans. Another incredible book by uh, Ken Blanchard and somebody else. But Ken Blanchard, who we've had on the show before, uh, Sheldon Bowles, uh, raving fans. Uh, another one that 
really, yeah, takes this. We, we, even I've done it, Tom, I still, you get hungry for the next one. You think I need numbers and you don't go and nurture the relationship that you already have with people that have bought from you. Now I am going to separate that out from relationships. I think a lot of people think they're going to get their product or service started and they're going to sell it to all their friends and family. Sometimes that works, but don't feel bad if you don't. There's an old quote, I'll badly paraphrase that Jesus was, you know, he was, he, he made fans everywhere, but his own hometown. And it is, there's some aspect of that has nothing to do about, it's not that people who know you know the real you and they don't respect you. It's, but they don't give you the gravity that other people who hear what you have to say are going to do. Uh, But raving fans and customers for life are, are, I'm going to put them as sub classics under something like uh, secrets of closing the sale. Obviously when I posted this, this Tom, this question about that, it's such a loaded question that you see a lot of people do. Hey, do you need marketing help or do you need sales help? And they're just trying to build leads themselves. I wasn't doing that. And I said under there, Hey, I'm just the honest question for a show. We're not pitching for, I'm not selling anything here. Now that said, Ziggler is kind of home base for sales and marketing. And I would highly encourage you to check it out, go there and you can inquire about what you're doing. And if Ziggler doesn't have the resource, Tom and the team there will tell you where you can get one that fits your budget and fits your business uh, and whatnot. But, you know, where let's go back to leads and marketing and what you talked about with the qualified leads, getting those. I am a fan. I think often, I'll never forget, I had a guy who was a coaching client, a consulting client a long time ago, and he was in the financial services industry. And he said, okay, he got a really neat positioning on a financial, on an, on an investing. He worked with high-end investors uh, on an investing product or, or perspective. And he said, I mean, how are we going to go out there though and make a splash in this financial services world that's so busy? And my first thought was, let's don't. It is so busy and that's where everybody's going. But where are your customers? Where are your clients? And for his, and I think at the time he was primarily working with people that had 300000 or more to invest, said, where are people like that? Are they at the Porsche dealership? Are they at the country club? Uh, are there, you know, what are the other products and services that they are most prone to be engaging with, how can you go partner with those companies? And you're the only one coming there. And we, they were back to the, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Tom, that's been the primary way I have grown any and every business that I've had is to partner with somebody who already has that trust and relationship. Because I can hear somebody now going, man, I've got something great. And you're telling me, as Tom said, I gotta listen to my podcast for two years before they're gonna buy. Well, that's why people are really happy to come on and be guests on our show, because if they have a guest or or if I bring on a guest and and we talk to them here, they by proxy think I'm not going to have somebody on that I don't stand behind, that I don't recommend. That's an endorsement. They gain the trust and rapport that we've spent years building here on The Ziegler Show, and they get it right away. That's why everybody wants to be on those shows. It's not easy to get on every show. It's not easy to get on this show. We have a lot of people who want to be on that, but borrowing from that credibility. And I've done that through my life. I did that a long time ago with Churchill Mortgage and Mike Hardwick there. I did it with Dave Ramsey. I did it with my dad. I did it with you, Tom, uh, and and your, your dad. I've done that for a long time. And now I have the privilege of people wanting to do that uh, with me, but who can you align with 
and not say, Hey, who will you, will you hawk my product or service? What can you, how can you build trust and rapport with one person? This is the Occam's razor, uh, an aspect of the theory of Occam's razor, which I think is O C C A M. And it's a, it's a, if you go look at it, this isn't going to make sense. You got to boil down through some stuff to find it. But part of the theory is instead of figuring out how can you go sell, let's take books. How can you sell a thousand books to a thousand people is how can you sell a thousand books to one person? That's one sale. How can we be smart? You know, with that, that's what we're doing. Instead of saying, how can I build up an audience of, you know, half a million people and sell myself to that many people to come with how, or, or can I go over here and sell myself to one person? I, I did. I got to see that happen working with my dad, Dan Miller, whose office I'm standing in and recording from right now. And I saw people come in and nurture relationships with him and give. And to the point where he felt so much reciprocity, so much trust in them, uh, so much gratitude that he came on and showcased them in his newsletter. So folks, this is somebody you've got to connect with if you need X, Y, Z or have them on his show. And he does that today. He's very sensitive with who he has on uh, because of course everybody'd like to, but man, you know, when he puts somebody on there, he really means it. This is, this is the Paul Harvey effect, true value hardware. He knew true value was paying him millions of dollars, but you've trusted him enough that he's not going to come on and promote somebody that he doesn't believe in. Dave Ramsey has done it brilliantly. He's very judicious with the advertisers and sponsors he lets on the show. And those people who listen to him trust him and they trust who he brings on. Um, so, you know, that aspect of credibility, I want people to hear that and not think that they have to look at two years out or whatever it is to build a who can you align with. And, and I'm, I'm on the soapbox of that, Tom, because that's one of my primary ones. It's kind of like looking at secrets of closing the sale. There's a lot of tactics in there. Mine's the assumptive sale. I kind of just live and die on that one. You don't need them all. Uh, I, I, that one fits me, fits who I am. And in this aspect of leads and qualified, I, I look for where are the people that are qualified already and are out there? How can I get in front of them? Maybe with only one sale to the right person. What do you think? Yep. I love it. You know, I was talking to someone and I said, well, how are you going to, I was actually asking advice about how do we scale our business? And this person said, well, there's only one way I've ever figured out to successfully scale a business over and over again. And that is, it starts with who, you know, and so what you do is you look at all the people, your who's Bob Bodine. Yeah. <laughs> Your who, the people that you know. Let's give that resource. It's the power of who by Bob Bodine. Spell it. It's B-E-A-U-D-I-N-E, I think. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a different spelling, but Bob Bodine and the power of who. Brilliant book on this. Go ahead. And you you start with the who, the people that you know, and you go and and this could be in a professional environment, people you've done business with in the past. It could be uh, prior places that you worked or had relationships with. You let them know what you're doing now, uh, and you and they may not be the, the the they might not be the prospect, they might not be the customer, but there's a, there's a good chance that they know somebody who could be, and you go through that conversation, referral, the introduction, you go through that process, and what that does is it will take you from your core of who you know and kind of your safety net. And then those referrals and those introductions will build out the next layer. And then you just repeat that process. 
Now, here's something else that I, I want to make sure that we don't leave behind. And that is, is when we when we think about marketing, which is, you know, having the opportunity for leads to talk to people about what we do. And then we talk about uh, sales, which is the actual process for helping that individual or business decide if this is a good fit. We need to have a couple of things that are just cemented into our heart. And here's the first one. You should believe with everything that you have that your product or service will make the life better for your customer when they get it. Right. And if you can't believe that, or if it's not a fit, you don't sell it. And the reason that I say this is I believe if it does solve a problem, you have a moral obligation to sell it. One of my favorite Zig quotes of all time. That's it. If you have a product or service that you think can help someone, you have a moral obligation. Tom, I, that one is that one is profound. And, and it doesn't mean that, you know, if you've got a life-saving device, that only fits. This fits. If you've got a product or service that can help me, it's your moral obligation. And it's amazing how often we don't do that, especially with those closest to us. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give an example of this. Um, we were working with a company years ago and they had developed a surgical glove and it had new technology in it. And, and you, were, you really are going to use a life-saving device. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So this is kind of cool. And so, you know, the surgical gloves, they're that latex plastic or whatever they make it out of. And, yeah. you know, a surgeon might use several pairs during a surgery because of contamination or, or whatever. And this company had created one with, with technology and an almost like Under Armour technology where it actually supported the hand and reduced muscle fatigue over time. Wow. So it was a literally a surgical glove that would improve performance by giving additional support and reducing fatigue. The only problem was, is it costs like five times more. So, and I'm making this up. So instead of 20 cents for a pair of gloves, it might be a dollar, okay? And so this company was now selling this product to the purchasing department of healthcare organizations and hospitals. Oh. And so they would go in and the buyer has, you know, vendors come in all day long and he puts something on the table and says, look at this cool glove. It's five times as much. And the buyer's like, well, you know, I buy 30,000 pairs a month. That's a lot of money. And so they were getting no, 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 no. And so, but we really want to sell this glove because it will change the outcomes of surgeries. And so we, we put a story in the conversation and they said uh, to the buyer, now imagine so they would talk about the benefits of the glove and, and how the fatigue and everything would be there. So he said, now imagine that you get a call and it's your wife or it's your husband, whatever the buyer was. And they said, uh oh, there's been a terrible accident. Our son has had uh, a car accident and he's going to need immediate emergency thoracic uh, surgery for a heart and other internal organs 
and they're rushing him to the hospital right now. Can you get it set up? Well, you you're you like run the hospital, so you do. And so you, you and it just so happens you have the greatest thoracic surgeon in the region, and they're they're in the hospital today. They're actually you you call down and you find out that they're just finishing up a surgery. And they just have come out of a 12-hour surgery. And they're going to have to do surgery on your son, which could take another who knows how many hours. Which glove do you hope they were wearing all day? Going for the expensive one. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how you how you can, from a, a place of conviction, that's the earnestness, the conviction, the belief, the moral uh you know, strength to say, Hey, this is the best thing for you because people, you know, they buy with their heart and their head, right? Emotion and logic. And it's primarily emotion that gets them to tip over and say, yeah, I want to give that a try. I I, I love what you're telling me. It, it, It makes sense now. So here's what follows right after that. If your product or service has that kind of an impact and there's, you have a moral obligation to sell it. Don't you then think you also have a moral obligation to work on and be professional around your sales and marketing skills? Yes, absolutely. And so a lot of times we find people who have all the moral conviction that this is the thing that their customer needs. And, but they say that's enough. It's, it's not enough because your competitors who might be less reputable than you, who might have a lower uh, effectiveness in their product or service, who, who might have a reputation that's not so good, they might be out perfecting their marketing and sales skills and they might actually do a better job in that presentation than you. Yeah. And your perfect prospect makes a bad decision because you didn't own the responsibility of, of mastering this area. And so it's a real combination there. We've got to have this ultimate belief. So I was talking to somebody else I coach and he said, uh, he, he did high-end refrigeration uh, service for hospitals and manufacturing plants and a lot of chemicals, a lot of licenses that are required, pretty techie stuff are pretty, you know, there's a lot of OSHA and things like that. If you screw it up, you screw it up. And he said, he says, you know, I wish, I wish my technicians knew or believed that what we did made a difference. And I said, you got to be kidding me. And he said, no, what do you mean? I said, you got to be kidding me. He goes, what? I go, so if they do a bad job on the hospital refrigeration system and it breaks, what happens? He said, well, if refrigeration goes down for too long, the blood supply could spoil, the medications could go bad. And so I said, well, gosh, that to me sounds like what you do is a matter of life and death. And he said, well, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. (laughs) 
So it doesn't really matter what you do. If, if you're selling a software that makes a small business more profitable and that small business now has the extra margin to provide healthcare and then somebody in that business requires that healthcare and they're able to get access to care that they couldn't have had otherwise, or they get access to care without having to go bankrupt to get it. How do you feel after that? I mean, you had a play in that, your advice, your product your service, whatever it is, that made a huge difference in the lives of those you served. And so all of these things kind of play into it. It's our mindset in regards to sales and marketing. It's our moral conviction in our own products and services. And then it's the follow through ownership of responsibility to become the best professional we can in the area that we need to be in order to, to serve our customers. I two, two quick stories right off what you said, Tom. Our buddy, Randy James, Dr. Randy James, your doctor, my doctor, my co-host on the True Life Show. That's, uh, that's part, of, part of his story was early on, he decided when he decided to be a doctor, he says, I want to do that and I don't ever want to be a businessman. And he has a story behind that. Today, he's a businessman because it took that for him to be able to do and serve people in the way that he wanted to do that. He had to become that back to your aspect of it. If you have a product or service that can help somebody, you have a moral obligation to sell it to them. And then I love your continuation of that. Thus you have a moral obligation to figure out how to sell. And I, I'm not going to name a name, but I did some consulting for a really large company in the cycling industry. And they had, products that were stronger, lighter weight, and cheaper. There's the holy trinity of cycling products. I mean, if you're in the Tour de France, you want the lightest and the strongest and reliable. And if it's cheaper, what's to go wrong? And I'll tell you why it's not the number one company in the world. It's because the owner got frustrated by being beat out by what he believed were inferior products, but better marketing. And it made him mad. And so back to what you said just a second ago, his mindset on marketing and sales and branding and positioning was, I hate that crap. Literally, that was the statement. I hate that crap. And I was brought on to help with the marketing and the sales. Very hard to make a lot of progress when the owner of the company has that perspective and it didn't last that long. Uh, so coming back to that mindset, I think it's a great, there's a great anchor for this. If you have a product or service that can help somebody that you believe in, that you uh, have, have want people to trust in, it is your moral obligation to figure out how to market and sell that. So we've given some resources. Again, I, I shamelessly say go to Ziggler.com and just, again, connect. They've got lots to offer you. And part of that too is just their advice. And if Tom and the folks there think that you can be served somewhere else, they'll send you there. But go there for a resource on your product and service. Secrets of Closing the Sale, one of the all-time classics. And we gave, again, a couple from uh, Carl Sewell. Uh, customers for life and Ken Blanchard with raving fans are some favorites of mine and also go look and who see who is, who is the leader in your industry with your product, with your service, with your type of coaching, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and model those for coaches. Again, I've been, uh, actually I don't have the, yeah, I do here. Where's the URL. Let me give it, hold on, bear with me uh, Ziggler.com slash coach. If you're a coach, go there to check on 
Ziegler coaching and how they can help you. Tom, it's a good, I, I feel morally obligated <laughs> to uh, actually to, to hone my skills in selling my own stuff, marketing and selling the things that I'm involved with. So uh, thank you for that as always, my brother. All right. What a blessing to be on the show with the greatest podcast host in all the land, Kevin Miller. Sales and marketing. Ultimately, the greatest value of this episode is hearing how important a sales marketing plan is and how often us as entrepreneurs don't adequately address it and make a plan, have a process, as Tom says. Uh, One more time on Zig's quote, if you have a product or service that can help someone, it's your moral obligation to sell it. And as Tom so wisely said, it's your moral obligation then to become an expert at sales and marketing. And becoming one can also mean paying for a pro to help you do yours. Coming up in episode 881 is a great show. I'm just wrapping up the completion of my book on a Florida getaway. I'm not sure which one yet we're going to put into the queue. I'll make sure though, it's a great episode. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.